Um, my name is Jessica Fick. I'm the pastor of outreach here at Hellcrest. Um, my family and I have been here since 2019. You guys can wave. Ruben and Ozzy and Dave. They're like, why are you pointing us out? Um, and I started my journey to become ordained through the covenant this past summer. So I've been excited about that. Something else you should know about me is that I am trying to break a habit right now. Anybody else trying to break habits, not wanting to wait till January? Yeah, okay, trying to break some habits. So I was even doing this last night, and I'm, I'm doing this habit I'm trying to break, sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to tell them about this tomorrow, that I am unsuccessful in breaking this habit. So every single night, I lay in bed, and I'm like, all right, time to go to bed early, sleep is important, and then what do I do? got my phone, and I start scrolling. How many, else, how many else are people who scroll in bed? Yeah, other, other bed scrollers? Anyways, I'm scrolling through, looking, looking at my phone, I'm like, all right, just five minutes, I'm going to go to bed. And then, you know, I stay up later. Not because I'm horrified at the things happening in the world, you know, war and racism. I get sucked into things that are completely inconsequential. Any, any of you guys, like, there's, there's articles that are like, you won't believe what these five celebrities look like now. I am like a sucker for those stories. Or, or you know, something will come up like the 50 items you need from Amazon Prime that will make your life easier this holiday. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I'm like, I, yes, I do want to know. But the ones that really get me, guys, this is the worst, are the cute animal stories. Oh, my goodness, the cute animal stories. That is the worst. So recently, I was scrolling in bed, and a cute animal story popped up. And I'm going to show you the slide. <laughs> right? Okay. This is the story about a hippo that was washed away in a tsunami and befriended by a 101-year-old tortoise. I mean, come on. What's cuter than a hippo and a tortoise? So I sent this picture, and I'll, there's a couple more. I sent this picture to my friend Krista, who is like a huge animal lover. Like she befriended a donkey in a field once because it just looked lonely and she would bring the donkey Christmas presents. So I texted her this picture and she texted me back and she said, is that Owen? And I said, you know the, you know the hippo's name? Of course she did because she always sees uh, stories like this. So I really love stories of unlikely friendships, animals or otherwise. Something that compels people or animals to do something completely different because of their desire to connect. Scripture is rife with stories of unlikely friendships. In fact, Nate Segerson and I were talking about unlikely friendships in Scripture, and we were like, oh man, there's this one and this one. So we've got Rahab, a Canaanite prostitute who befriends Israelite spies plotting on overthrowing Jericho, the city where she lives. Joseph befriends his brothers after they sold him into slavery in Egypt. Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, steeped in Jewish traditions of what to eat and what not to eat and who to spend time with and who not to spend time with, he befriends Cornelius, a Roman centurion occupying Israel with military force. And he sits down at a table with Cornelius and eats food with him that he has considered unclean his entire life. These are weird stories, guys. These are super weird. You can open up to uh, the scriptures this morning, whether you're on your QR, uh, QR code app or at home. You can open up your Bible. 
We're going to be in Luke 1 this morning, Luke 1, 26 through 38. We actually have Bibles here in our, in our rows. You can grab one of those. I wanted us to look at the Christmas story together because sometimes it becomes so dull to our ears because we've heard it a lot. We sing carols and we see these cute nativity sets, but the story of Mary preparing for Jesus' birth is just shocking and strange and audacious. It's a story of an unlikely friendship between Mary and God and an unlikely friendship that can begin between God and us. So let's read Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I want you to notice two things about this scripture, particularly the interaction between uh, Gabriel and Mary. So what, what are the first things Gabriel says to Mary? What do you guys see in the scripture? What does he say? Greetings, greetings, yes. What else does he say to her? Fear not, yep, towering angel of light, not a normal experience. Most of us have. He says, greetings, you who are favored. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Favored woman. Favored woman? It is remarkable that Mary and Elizabeth are the first two people in the New Testament who experience the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit because of their pregnancies. When Gabriel appears to Mary, he doesn't begin by telling her what's going to happen. Like, all right, Mary, here's what you need to get ready. Here's what you need to prepare for. He tells her why. Why am I here tonight? Because you are highly favored. The Greek word charis, or grace, translated in Luke as favored, is the same word used when God gave Noah his task of deliverance for humankind. It's the same word That's used for Moses in his call to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Ben Witherington III writes in the book, Women and the Genesis of Christianity, It is Elizabeth and Mary, not Zechariah and Joseph, who are first to receive the message of Christ's coming, who are praised and blessed by God's angels, and who are first to sing and prophesy about the Christ child. 
Perhaps they are also the first examples of the lowly being exalted as part of God's plan of eschatological reversal that breaks into history with, in, and through the person of Jesus. Now, most of us don't use the word eschatological in everyday sentences. In fact, I had to practice a couple times just to make sure I could say it right. But the word eschatological means the end of time, the fate of humanity. And what he's saying is the fate of humanity, our destiny and eternity is reversed by God in the person of Jesus. Mary is troubled by his words. Greetings, you who are highly favored. And she asks, what kind of a greeting is this? And he tells her again, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. The angel speaks these words to Mary because she is seen as anything but favored in her culture. Mary's a peasant. She's an unmarried girl from an insignificant village. In Jewish culture, a woman pregnant outside of marriage faced the threat of being put to death at worst and being dishonored and disgraced at best. There is absolutely zero things about Mary that made her seem favored in her culture. Favored. Do you often think of yourself as favored? If you had a visit from an angel tonight, what do you think God's words would be to you? I want you to take a moment right now and think about the message that often flashes across your mind when you get up and you look in the mirror in the morning. Got it? Yeah, some of you are already starting to chuckle. Maybe you know where I'm going with this. When you look in the mirror, you think, I am highly blank. It's not usually positive, is it? It's usually something like, greetings, you who are highly chunky. Oh, a few too many Christmas cookies and eggnog already. Greetings, you who are highly poor. Greetings, you who are highly disorganized. Greetings, you who are highly old. Greetings, you who are highly unhealthy. Greetings, you who are highly deficient. The message that often flashed across my mind throughout my life was, greetings you who are highly stupid. Growing up with a learning disability and ADHD, I often felt like I was deficient, and that no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't get it together. It was, and sometimes still is, a real source of shame in my life, especially when like, I continually forget to sign those permission slips for my kids, and I'm like, yep, I'm that mom, forgot them again, can you email me another copy? Some people think Christianity is about self-improvement, that we can be better because Jesus teaches us to do nice things and feel better about ourselves. The false message we often believe is, oh, if I just try hard enough and I'm good, Jesus will love and accept me. Well, the story of Jesus' birth is not one of befriending people who believe they have it all together. It's not a story of befriending the powerful or the good or people who are trying harder. He befriends people like Mary, people who are humble and willing to let Jesus change their lives. Scripture says Mary's greatly troubled by the angel's words, and maybe it's because she also had her list of things flooding her mind 
when Gabriel appeared to her. Greetings, you who are a highly pregnant, unmarried woman in poverty. It's in community that God reminds us who we are and who he is. That's why we believe being together as a church is essential to following Jesus. In experiencing life together, we work through the pain and the fear and joy and excitement of life and following Jesus. John wrote in his letter to the church, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. When we love each other well, like Don talked about this morning, we actually experience God's love in deeper and deeper ways. Community is so crucial to Mary that even though she's newly pregnant, she takes the journey from Nazareth to Hebron to visit her elderly cousin Israel. This is 80 miles on foot during her first trimester, the worst trimester in pregnancy. Now, I'm not from here. I'm from Michigan. So I had to ask this morning, like, what is, what is like 80 miles from here? And someone was like, Topeka. Another person said, Columbia. Now, if I was back in Michigan, I would have said Detroit from Grand Rapids. So I want you to think about hoofing your way to Columbia this afternoon. You're freaked out. You don't know what's happening in your life. And you decide there is somebody not that far away that might accept me. She goes and she takes this journey that's not easy or safe. Maybe God spared her the nausea and exhaustion in the first trimester of creating a, a person inside of her. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder, maybe she even had some pregnancy cravings. If she's going, going to Hebron, it's like, man, I could really use some Nazareth tacos right now. When I was pregnant, I had uh, cravings. When I was pregnant with Reuben, I had cravings for uh, egg salad sandwiches and jelly beans. So gross, right? Like, our house smelled disgusting. And when I was pregnant with Ozzy, I wanted really garlicky hummus and good and plenty licorice. Gross. So gross. <laughs> Mary did have a craving that we do know about, and it was a craving for connection, a craving for community. She needed a friend. We're going to go a little bit further into Scripture. So again, you can look at your, your Scriptures. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.'" But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Though it's not recorded what Mary and Elizabeth talked about during those three months, I'm guessing it involved working through the shame of how others viewed them the awkward questions they were asked, and praying that God would be glorified despite how they were perceived in their temple and in their culture. Mary and Elizabeth aren't exactly the unlikely friendship of a hippo and a tortoise, but their circumstances are far from normal. There's two miracles 
a virgin pregnant with the Son of God, and a pregnancy for a woman who has been told her whole life that she is barren. And now she's elderly and pregnant. I want you to look around the room right now. There's a few ladies in our, in our midst today. There's a few women, women and maybe some girls. I would like you ladies just to say out loud for the sake of maybe feeling an ounce of what Mary and Elizabeth felt, I'd like for you to say I'm pregnant. So, on the count of three, no matter what your age, if you're a lady, just say I'm pregnant. Ready? One, two, three. I'm pregnant. That felt weird. (laughs) Just saying it, even though you're not pregnant, maybe underscores how bizarre or conflicting or, or fearful that must have been for Mary and Elizabeth. When God draws us into community, we want to share his love and friendship with others. We begin to see ourselves and people in a different way. Mary really should have felt scared and ashamed about her circumstance. But because of God's friendship to her, she knew that she was loved and chosen. When you believe that that's God's message to you too, you want others to know that they're loved and chosen by God. Jesus once said, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You have been chosen by Jesus. Years ago, I worked for an organization that helped women to share their faith and and create um, spaces for women to hear about Jesus. And one of our volunteers, Lori, had gotten involved through an outreach, and she'd chosen to, to follow Jesus. She felt so loved in community that she wanted women to know how much Jesus loved and accepted them as well. And when she told me her story, it was was kind of around this time in November, she said, you know, Christmas is coming. I'm 33 years old, and I've never been invited to a Christmas party. I had this idea for a party for women who feel lonely and never get invited to parties. So I shared this idea with Robin, one of, our, one of the older mentors in our group. And Robin's a uh, volunteer who's been with the organization for over 30 years. She is in an Elizabeth season of life. So Lori, this newer, newer believer, young woman, explains this idea of a Christmas party. And Robin says, clearly the Holy Spirit's given you this idea. What can I do to help? You can see some slides of what happened that night. With Robin's help, Within 24 hours, because as a retired woman, she had time. She had been in the community a long time, so she had a lot of connections. Within 24 hours, they had a venue for 80 women, a caterer, a baker, and servers who all donated their goods and services. And Lori said, you know, I'm going to call it Light the Night, and I want women to invite their friends who are lonely and overlooked. But, you know, I also reached out to local women's shelters and homes for women who come out of human trafficking, And, you know, I want these women to come, but the shelters shared, they only have one van, and they can't transport all the women. So I'm just going to call up some car dealerships and ask if they'll donate some vans to help us get these women there. She said, you know, I don't think anyone is thinking about inviting these women to parties to let them know they're loved by God. So we want to, that night, give them a little flashlight, a little flashlight keychain as a reminder 
that every woman can be a light to someone else. Well, the Mazda dealership did lend them vans, and that night it was standing room only as women sat at beautiful tables and ate delicious food and heard the message that Jesus loves them and has chosen them. Who is God inviting you to befriend this Christmas? Maybe it's Jesus himself inviting you to accept his gift of friendship, to heal and to forgive you, and to follow him as Savior and Lord. You don't have to do anything to earn this. No matter who you are or where you come from, you just have to say yes. Maybe God's placed people in your life that could use a friend who could be invited to Christmas Eve service and would be delighted for someone to include them. Maybe there's somebody who would love to sit at your kitchen table and just have a mug of hot cocoa. Recently, one of the women who attended our DIY Advent wreath night shared with me that she brought the wreath she made to a Bhutanese family she's connected with in town. She said, you know, I I could tell them about the message of Advent because of this wreath. And I told them about the message of Christmas as well. Uh, Just yesterday, a couple of us went and donated uh, Christmas baskets to refugee families, baskets that you all helped to fill with rice and soccer balls and hats. Our prayer shawl ladies donated 42 hand-knitted hats. It was amazing. And we, even though there was a language barrier, we showed up and we sang some Christmas carols and we handed these baskets of toys and food. And even though... The people couldn't speak the language. They clapped along as we sang, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And the kids ran out and were like, ah, toys! It was such a good reminder of even the small things we can do. Even if we don't speak the same language, aren't the same age, aren't from the same culture, to extend the friendship of Jesus with others. I'm going to have us close by reading Mary's words after she spent time with Elizabeth. It's a song that's called Mary's Magnificat. Magnificat means utterance of praise. And as we read it, I want you to think about the ways that you can praise God for the work he's done in your life. This is a busy season where we can lose track of the things that are important. And so today, I want us to think about what we can praise God for, or maybe what life with Jesus looks like that you could praise him for. This is Luke 1:46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Today, if you are ready to accept the gift of Jesus' friendship, don't wait. Take a moment after the service to come pray with me or our prayer servants who will be up front. This doesn't have to be a big, dramatic moment or anything weird. It just is a moment where you can say, yes, 
I want your friendship, Jesus. Maybe you need prayer for somebody in your life who's far from God or is lonely and disconnected. We'd love to pray for you, for God to show you how to be a good friend to them and for them to know Jesus' love. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you call us friend, that you chose us. We pray today that you'd help us to be mindful of the people around us that you are inviting us to reach out to with your love. Amen. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he has sent you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen. Have a good week.